unmuted. Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Options Directions for Truth show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards. Good evening, Sherry. Good evening, Richard. It's good to hear your voice. Some of us were here a few minutes early, and we were listening to some music, enchanting music with frequencies of uplifting flower essences and crystal healing. That is Jill Madsen's music. She's going to drop by later and talk to us. And she's going to tell us how we can get this album for free. So that's kind of awesome. We're going to be talking this evening about directions for truth. The importance of keynotes. And we've been talking about the keynotes for a long time. And we thought we would bring to you in depth of what was really going on with those keynotes and also how you can use the keynotes to look at compatibilities, to look at some of your uh, past health issues from past lives. Maybe, boy, that's a lot. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about frequency and what frequency is, and the overview idea. Think about, okay, you have a body, and why would you chop off your own hand? That would seem a ridiculous thing to do. But if you listen to the ideas about frequency, we're all one, and if we lose one of us, we lose a cell that made the whole thing balance. So that's what we're going to talk about this evening. We do the keynote every week as we are sponsored by the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. You know, Richard, somebody asked me, and I can't find your email, whoever this person was, and they wanted to know how many videos we have. I went on to Blog Talk, and there's 682 there, but I don't know how to count the ones on Vimeo. Do you have any idea how to count how many's there? Um, I think somewhere buried in the um, the owner's stats there might be that number. I'll poke around while we're talking and see if I can figure out what that where that is. I don't use Vimeo as much as I do the Blog Talk platform. Hmm. It must be there. I can't see it in my mind though, so I'll try and find it. Okay. We work a lot with frequencies uh, from your voice. I'm trying to say the next sentence, and it's coming out backwards in my head. So the frequencies from your voice is just a small little thing. There's actually frequencies of the universe, and that's what we're looking at in the keynote. We attune to each other. We attune to our geographic location. We attune to our solar system, and those frequencies 
uh, help balance you or not. There's recently an article. Uh, this is a very erudite one that you're looking at. Solar and geomatic activities and related effects on human physiology and cardio health. You know, there's a lot going on here. Ouch. It's Ouch. been <laughs> it's been broken down into studies shows what sharp changes in solar and geomatic activity do to the human body. And this was recently posted uh, in Nexus magazine. And I'd like to read just a short paragraph because it certainly covers what we're going to say. We've been doing these keynotes probably for 10 years and posting them. But this just came out this year, this article. Uh, And I'm only going to read one little piece. It's an interesting, interesting article. Study shows what sharp changes in solar and geometric activity do to the human body. I'll stick the, the thing in chat, the link. Overall, the study suggests that daily autonomic nervous system activity not only responds to changes in solar and geomagnetic activity, but it is synchronized with the time-varying magnetic fields associated with geomagnetic fields like the resonance, Schumann resonance, like resonance and the Schumann resonance, sorry. A likely explanation of how solar and geomagnetic fields can influence a human nervous system actively is through a resonant coupling between our nervous systems and frequencies. Alvin waves, A-L-F-V-E-N, after some guy. Or ultra-low frequency standing waves in the Earth's ionosphere, resonant cavity that overlap our physiological rhythm. So what we've been saying all along, somebody wrote a big paper about it, and now it's true. (laughs) The fact that we've been putting this out for years doesn't mean a thing. Some very um, educated person (laughs) that has some kind of degree behind their name or some kind of university usually, I'm trying to look for it, it's not here. Well, I can't see it right away. Um, Collection Evolution, no, it doesn't say where he is. But I'll put the links up there. Richard, you've been looking at these keynotes that we put out every week. Can you sort of fill in our audience for, say, somebody who's here for the first time? The keynote is this interesting thing that Sherry Software does. Where, where I believe she takes I a vocal print of the cosmos, is what I would call it, and runs it through the software and gets this amazing software. report, and it shows, it's what, I'll put it in my words, that I think it's the emanations of the sounds that are coming from the cosmos. And I don't mean E.T. phone home. I mean just the cosmos as a living organism. It's producing sound and noise and probably bouncing of sounds and all sorts of stuff. And those things come toward the earth as sounds that we don't necessarily hear on a human scale. And the software reads that. It's kind of like an acoustic, astrological, astrocartography, astrocosmological... Ooh, that's a good one. Um, View of the effects the cosmos is having us on us on a daily, sort of a weekly. The keynotes typically run about a week or two weeks. 
and it means that something can be either kind of hypertonistic, meaning too much, or hypotonistic, not enough, or you might be inclined to have this or inclined to have that. And in my experience of doing around 500 shows with Sherry, maybe six, that inevitably, sometime during a couple of days before she produces the keynote, I have people, because I talk to people all over the country, I have people that call me and go, you know, my something is really bothering me, or I'm having a this or a thing or a that, and then the next day or two, I see Sherry's keynote, and there's the indicator that, oh, taurine is this. Or, I mean, it's like, it's consistently amazing. I love the keynote. Did that help? Did that help? Oh, I had myself on mute. Does that explain how? How does it work? I mean, prove it. How's that happen? No, I got nothing. No, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, NASA came up with. Yeah, NASA came up with it. I mean, I, I would, I, I would, I. Because I've been with you for so many years doing these shows and seeing what happens when you take a vocal print. It's not very much of a stretch at all for me to think of the cosmos as having a vocal print. So you're really just gathering that sound, running it through the software, and it's going, look, this is a state of imbalance. There's too much of this coming in or that, or there's something that could affect. So to me, it's just a giant, I'll use that again, cosmological vocal print. That's how it works in my mind. I see this as a modern view of astrology because the ancients used astrology. They already knew what was going on. They knew which frequencies went with what, mainly with music. Like the church didn't allow people to use music in six notes away. Like C and F sharp is very dissonant, um, but you could create mood with music. Uh, let's see if I can do one. da 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 Feel how leery that is. Uh, Jill, if Jill was here, she could probably do these much better because she's a musician and I'm not. But NASA began to study these, and uh, Emoto started to study the frequencies of water, and it's all coming together now because science is now is looking at it. But for this week, animation of muscles and metabolism, and the nose. There's so many people here that's got nose problems this last couple of days. Eye issues, things that are not focusing right in the eye. Vertical muscle of the tongue, and that also means that a measles is forging ahead because the measles frequency and the vertical muscle of the tongue are very related. C6, vertebrae where your head hooks on, so it's expect some stress right there fingers and thumb you know, there might be some soreness iliacus lower back because the frequencies that affect those organs those muscles in your body are bombarding you as our solar system begins to begins just moves and has all these orbits those orbits pick up um Pick up, create a sound. And we're going to ask Jill about it because she's just popped in. Jill, we're talking about the keynote that we put out each week and how 
we think maybe it might be a an advanced um, astrology into the new age where we can look at more of it. Know that homocysteine is in stress. Now, too much of that, and you'll, you can have a blood clot. Potassium and calcium, too little of that, and you can have a blood clot. Beta carotene, I don't know if that has, it has to do with heart because it's a, a fat amino acid. But we've changed our format just a little bit for all of this so that you can look at it even a day, a week ahead. So here's the keynote for next week. And so we're always going to have two up so that you can look at what is going on. Uh, there's a lot of static. Is somebody's mic open? Because if it is, I have no way of turning it off because I cannot see any list for the recipients. It's just not coming up for me. Richard, maybe if I gave, well, I can't even give you host. I can't even get to the list. So watch your mic because I can't. Uh, I'm not talking to Richard, talking to everybody. Are you posting that paper for us to use for reference? Only if you want to, Byron. It's so you can look great. it up. Be great. Which part? Posting the paper for reference. Please post it. I'd like, like to look at more of that. Okay, hold on. I'll get it for you. Thank Here's you. the whole thing. Okay, it's posted in the the chat. Okay, and for those of you who are raising your hands or whatever, my part of my computer is not working. I want to I want to throw something back. I want to throw something back into the the idea of this that because his name just wandered back into my brain. Jim Lewis was an astrologer, and he invented astrocartography. Mm-hmm. And that was looking at astrologically where you want to live. So he he came up with a giant grid system to look at the planet in comparison to your birth time. Or I'm not quite sure what his coordinates are, but I'm suspecting somehow related to birth time. And he would show you places on the planet based on his system where you would live. So I think the keynote is just facing out taking in information that we're, you know, you turn into recognizable words like taurine or inflammation or bad mood or, you know, that kind of information. Because a frequency equals a thing. And we want to give people the opportunity to know this frequency stress is coming and it may not last but probably a week or so. We're looking at about six degrees. So you can look at a week ahead. You can look at the present week. I don't know if they're going to keep last week's up here. Um, That might be something that we just keep a folder of all the different frequencies that are going on. Um, Jill, I want to thank you for being here. And we were playing your music before you came on. Um, We're going to give you an opportunity to talk about that because there's something exciting about that particular piece of music that we were uh, listening to. But can you uh, add your uh, incredible knowledge to the idea of frequency and astrology and frequency and how it affects humans, well, animals and trees and everything else too? 
Um, gosh, I think gosh. I'm just going to say the same thing as you, that the planets, as they move, they create waves. Just think of like a, a motorboat, and it, it has a wave behind it. And it may be below our hearing range, but it's there nonetheless. And, of course, it influences us. And um, somebody you turned me on to, Sherry, was uh, Robert Becker, a physicist. And he was um, showing the importance of very subtle, geomagnetic, very um, low-volume frequencies. And doesn't that sound like astrology? He was saying that they were the most impactful frequencies. And the um, when you read with the Zoroastrian, and this would be Samaria and um, uh, even their references to early Samaria, astrology wasn't so much to um, even say what the influences were, but was to create music to offset and balance them. So they're creating music in Samaria to offset some of these things, to try to balance it, to make it easier for people listening. So like you talk about, you know, the frequency of this or that, you know, which could be a challenge here or here. So they're, they're, they would have music to just kind of like um, give the listeners a leg up. Isn't that cool? Yes. Why did the church decide that certain music couldn't be heard? Oh, because the music was competition to them. Think of the early church, and they're in Rome. So you have Greece with the Pythagoreans, very close. And very close is Egypt and the Egyptian mysteries. Even closer is Sumerian. And even older stuff, up into Europe, is the Druids. Their competition all um, saw God as God in nature. And anything natural, like organic, is better than gmo for example. Anything natural was healthy and divine. And they would listen to the stars and they would listen to the um, earth tones and sacred geometry found in nature. I mean, literally, it's, it's tuning to heaven and earth. And in that way, they believe they got enlightenment and byproduct of enlightenment would be health, emotions, mental, uh, psychic abilities. So if your cancer got cured, that's a byproduct. And they were also they also had an ancient belief because some of my recent research has been looking um, beyond the last ice age. What we have in written records from Samaria, for example, they're after the written records of the I mean, excuse me after the ice age. But when you start looking around the world and the new astrological finds that are like 15,000, 30,000, they're all like Stonehenge. They're all um, aligned to the stars. And there's some in Europe, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but very, very old, prior to the Ice Age, 
And every 2,000 years of rebuilding these huge stone circles to align to the movement in the stars. And I'm, I'm feeling like, um, particularly with reading the Hopis and the um, American Indians and Southern South American Indians, they talk about having four worlds. And like the Ice Age would separate one, the flood would separate the other, a meteor hitting the Earth would separate it. But I'm, I'm feeling like prior, the most early religions we can conceive of, and now with recent findings, seeing archaeology, is, archaeology is almost um, connecting to the stars. Wow. So people, people, people in a group, for example, let's say they believe they're from Pleiades, you're going to find that their star formations are going to be in a formation that they feel resonates with the Pleiades. So they kind of, you know, like reboot. Do you think it's their energy and the like energy or the attraction energy of that star system that they're relating to? Well, in the stories, they talk about um, brothers from the stars. They talk about um, people that I, I would suspect are, uh, what you know, um, aliens or whatever you want to call them. And they talk about um, people coming to help them, to guide them, to teach them. And they're from a certain star system. Like in um, Australia, you have the um, the original Aborigines saying that beyond this world and so forth, that they their their ancestors came from Syria, Sirius system or star, I guess, and that these are their teachers, these are their gods, and they connect with them, and they have symbols, and they have shapes, and they would have sounds. To connect to this system, it's kind of like if if you could um, phone God, you could stay better connected or exchange energy on the voice or resonate with them. Where where did this concept come from of a signature sound in ancient times, and and how do we get one? Well, well. One way they did it was they would take a a line of buildings and they would mock a certain star system, like the the Great Pyramids will mirror Orion's belt. Now, that's from seen from the ground. And, you you know, we also know that... um, you know, like you if know, they're like doing Orion's belt, belt, you know, they're not all they're on not a parallel plane. So you even have the Icos, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but the Icoscus, they had a way of figuring out um, from the Zodiac a more accurate way of getting these sounds. So that was one way. You just tripped me up on something here because you – and I, I, I didn't catch it as, as it went on, but I replayed it in my head, that they changed the actual location of things like Stonehenge to realign with things that are going on in the solar system? Is that yes. what you said? Yes. 
Yes, wow. that's, um, that's um, a new find <laughs> coming out of... We have to pause. No, we have to pause for a moment there and take that in. They realigned yes. these amazing structures? Yes. Wow. Or they build on top of them. Wow. Left them, dirted them in, and built a new one. Like every 2,000 years. I like that, dirted them in. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to our website, the Sound Health Options, and look at NanoVoice and give you a chart that was done by Paulette Hansen, and I'll put this in the um, chat too, where she shows a wheel um, of frequencies from C to B in one octave and how astrology has been laid out over the years and which notes and which frequencies belong to which um, astrology sign. So do you know anything about how that became to be, and is that where our signature sound comes from? I I really don't know. I'm just starting into this research. We should but tell I do you that, know that they have tones. They do know they have tones like that. And, for example, um, the old Vedic astrology is going to be a little bit off because the stars change from today's astrology. And Jill's written a book about this. It's called Lost Waves of Time. And if you've ever had some past lives and, and you love numbers and you can fall into frequencies as you're reading a book, you know, that lost waves of time doesn't have anything in it that is um, poignant or emotional. But as I was reading that, the chapters in that book, my eyes started to cry. And I'm I'm not a an emotional person, but the the information in there was so confirming to me that I'm a million years old, and its frequencies just rebodying. Uh, I just found it astounding. Uh, so lost wave of time. They can get that from your website, Jill's Wings oh, of yeah. Light. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I will put that in the chat also. Um, where do you think all of this started, that frequency created us and the planets? Is this the original Big Bang? Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, and and um, just think, I was just thinking of signature sounds. Um, a friend of mine, Viani Buck, who runs Ohm Times Magazine, I don't know if people are aware of that, she shared with me some star shapes. They're, um, they look like glyphs, like Reiki attunements. They have these funky little shapes. And the idea idea with the Reiki attunement attunement is that when you look at it, it it opens up portals in your hands to channel white light. It's an actual shape. shape. And And from what I understand is after after enough people on the planet are Reiki masters masters and channel white light, light, then the rest of us don't need the attunement anymore to to do the first opening. Um, you know, once you get a certain critical mass. But um, Leone gave me the shapes 
for um, a dozen stars. And they're all the ones that people talk about, you know, Octaurus, Pleiades, Sirius, um, da-da-da-da-da. And um, the shapes in the antiquity were converted into sound through um, like a grid pattern of pitch and harmonics. And harmonics were um, conveyed through vowel chants. And you find them in almost every great ancient society, vowel chants. You find them in Alice Bailey. You found them referred to the Great White Brotherhood. You find them um, with, associated with Ascended Masters. The vowel, vowel chants are um, different harmonic patterns. So in essence, you could take her shapes that she found in antiquity, these stars, and put them in sound. I think so. If you can look at the shape of a room, and by the sound it echoes back at you, you can tell the dimensions. We've proven that again and again. Mm-hmm. Of um, Circles are uh, one, and then D is a room with nine-eighths um, dimensions. But I want to throw something out here. We talk about the Big Bang and how it all happened. What if you envision two pebbles going into a pond and they create a third a wave as the waves hit together? What if that's mm-hmm. how creation happened? What if that is the Big Bang with these gigantic sound waves coming together to create? Because one of the things that we've um, found that if you take the frequency of water plus the frequency of nitrogen, it equals oxygen. And water minus hydrogen equals ammonia. And you begin to look at, these are all the basic stuff, hydrogen and sulfur and uh, lithium, all the stuff that our universe is made of. And we can all turn it back into math from the math of the waves as they interact with each other. And certainly if you were doing that on a cosmic scale, it would be a bang. I don't know mm-hmm. if we can hear sound waves coming together. I guess you can with uh, breaking the sound barrier in an airplane. It's a big boom. So those kind of movements create frequency, and I'm awestruck by this, that we think of ourselves as solids, but it really isn't. It's a frequency that can be interpreted as smell or sight or light or music, just incredible You've done music and put um, Bach flower remedies behind it. Mm -hmm. How are people Mm -hmm. reacting Mm -hmm. to that? Do they get healed from that particular CD? I have have testimonies that would blow your socks off. Um, I have people Um, telling me that lifelong lifelong mental mental depression depression has lifted. Now they listen for about three months. And the idea with the Bach flower remedies is that I took the catharsis part of the music from the ancient Greeks, the Pythagoreans. And so, like, if you're going to do inpatience and get rid of that and then go into patience, the music um, goes into sounding very impatient, and it stirs all that within because the negative energy gets stuck. It gets stuck under tissues and bones. And so the music goes in, and I always imagine like a little ghosty hand calling it free. 
and it might even um, be a little disturbing, and then it pops free like a burp. And so what it's doing is, is it's it's pulling out your um, subconscious negative crap, and then um, after that, it transitions into like um, the the positive end of impatience. So. So with antiquity, they would say that every frequency has a positive and negative aspect. And, of course, balance is health. And you put that all in your music, and people mm-hmm. absorb it by frequency. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you prove that frequency influences us? Well, just turn on music. I mean, if, if you ever wanted to dance... Or been yeah. um, stressed out and calmed down, or try listening to a movie and turn off the soundtrack, and it's really boring. I, I knew it. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> okay, I'm going we to propose. All know it, I think. <laughs> I'm going to propose something here. We humans think of life forms and as something that can create itself. And we see that as a measure of any kind of life form. But what if a life form was really something that is just predictable? And water, for instance, is very predictable. And that's a life form identified by it's predictable. It always does the same thing. Now, in Emoto's work, there's something new that water did. Now, it seeks its own level. It freezes at this temperature. You know, very seldom does it walk outside of those realms. So as we're looking at water and we are thinking at water, I hate you and you're ugly and you look like my mother or whatever, and that water freezes into really ugly, ugly ice crystals. But if we say to water... Oh, I love you. I would like to have a big drink of you. You just look so delicious. And it causes ice crystals that are beautiful and harmonic in their shape like uh, snowflakes. Is it possible that that water has sentientness? And maybe we should add to this idea of what has a life form, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Um, Ancient teaching says that everything is consciousness. Um, That's your pen, that's your shoe, that's the water. And the idea is that waves combine in close proximity. So when you love, feel that, have that feeling um, exuding out of your body and you're near water, um, water um, in a very subtle, conscious way mixes with your intent, with your feeling, because that's that's a real frequency. And it adds to and changes that water. And even if you were to play beautiful music, I've done this many times, um, I use mine because... I guess just because I wrote it, but you can take a pitcher of water and just put it in the fridge and then put one and then like I'll play my music to the water 
And then I'll have glasses where you have one that was in the fridge, one that was exposed to beautiful music, and the one with beautiful music always tastes better. So we tend to think of things as separate, but um, emotions, physical things um, connect. You hear it in your voice. So if I have a loving feeling, you hear it in my voice. If I'm kind of angry, I mean, that motion becomes one with my voice. And that happens to a greater degree with almost everything. And furthermore, we all can tie into this consciousness. We've just forgotten that we can, in my opinion. If you, like, um, stare at a plant and say, wow, what does that plant feel like? If you allow yourself that respect, to trust yourself, um, if you get like 10 people in a room and they all tell you what that plant's feeling, they almost all come up with the same thing. Because they are feeling what the plant's feeling. It's not their imagination. They're connecting. It's got consciousness. So you just kind of tune into, connect to it, see what you're feeling. And there's your communication. It's like that shared sentience, that shared consciousness. Connecting through the frequencies or through the water and everything? Oh, it can't be water because rocks. I can connect to rocks and they have very little water. Richard, you don't feel different. different. Haven't you ever felt like a a, a crystal versus, um, you know, granite? Absolutely. Uh, Richard, jump in here. You're being too quiet. Well, I... I want to rem- I want to toss into the water conversation that I think I said this a couple of months ago that we're in a closed loop system, meaning the planet. This has nothing to do with the keynote. This has to do with water. We're in a closed loop system, meaning there is no new water. We are drinking the same water that Cleopatra washed her feet in. Great idea. I mean, it's, that that water, the water that we, that well, I, you know, mm-hmm. okay, she dipped her gold wand in. Uh, so my point is that the water that we're consuming has had the experiences of the life of this planet. So that means that everything, that the water is like, to me, the protoplasm that is in our bodies. That's what water is. I mean, the water is carrying the frequency of everything it's ever come in contact with. So I think the idea of playing Jill's beautiful music to it or some kind of thing that kind of clears water out is a wonderful idea. You know, what's interesting, think of baptism, Richard. And if you go back further, prior to Jesus, think of the Essenes. They... Um, they bathe three times a day. The same would be in your priesthood in Egypt. Um, you'll find that the high mystic orders would go in and out of water two and three times a day uh, to purify and uplift. And I think it's on more levels than just being clean. Mm-hmm. It's the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, so in, that, in that's Europe, how we're that's, how, that's one. Of, I think that's one of the ways we're connected. And in, as long as we're on the water theme, the European countries have always. Well, actually, I live in an area. I live in a place called Feder Hot Springs. 
So I'm in the I'm in an area of Sonoma County, which there are ten hot spring locations. I live next door, literally physically, to a place that was a hot springs source. When this part of Sonoma County, part of the part of this North Bay, the area called Petaluma was like the second San Francisco during the period of the gold mining rush. So these areas up here, people did what they do in Europe. They would come up here to take the waters, which I've always thought was an interesting phrase to use the term taking the waters. They use that more in a European context or people who really travel around looking for hot springs. They have different experiences of different kinds of waters that are coming organically out of the earth. They haven't been processed. They're just water coming out of the earth. Artesian wells, which means I forget how deep that is, but that's extraordinarily deep water that's never been anything. Well, it's been on the planet forever. So I think the idea of, as you say, Jill, the idea of baptism or the idea of any of these rituals that we have with water, it seems very powerful. Water is, you know, water is the most powerful solvent on the on the planet. I mean, it's, a connector. Wait, think of the, think of well, and think of the when I say that, think of the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon was created by water. It was created by the erosive capability of water. Water is incredibly powerful. It may take a long time. <laughs> but it did that. It wasn't like guys with, you know, hammers and drills and dynamite created the Grand Canyon. That was water dissolving dirt and minerals and moving them and creating these amazing canyons. That was all done by water. Maybe a little bit. We should but I think, you know, water is thank water. We should thank water every, every day. We just said that water also holds the idea of an emotion. Mm-hmm. Music holds the idea of an emotion and they can affect our brain and whether we are happy or sad or depressed or analytical or, or whatever is going on. Jill, you write music that is deliberately written to entrain people. The music mm-hmm. that we played before the show, Crystal Realms, mm-hmm. how does it affect People and I'm not meaning. We can talk about mechanical, but why did you write this piece and what does it do to people? In that album, I was thinking of the Crystal Kingdom, and according to um, channelings with ascended masters, they say that the Crystal Kingdom has ascended, which to me. I, I, I think that's easy for me to believe because when I hold crystal, I am uplifted. It's always got something higher and um, very refined. It's kind of like the feeling I, I'm, I'm assuming that some of the animals on the planet are more evolved than us too in terms of their um, enlightenment, spirit, souls, like whales and dolphins, for example. And um, so... Um, with the crystal kingdom, um, I got the frequencies of crystals, and furthermore, I got um, almost like atomic, microscopic recordings of crystals. And I, I picked 12 of them because they're associated with emotions and with healing. And then in my Crystal Realm CD, I have flower, 
the positive end of the flower frequency, which is a gift to us. And I would say the consciousness that enhances flowers is again higher than us. All flowers um, give us a blessing, whether it's cheerfulness or beauty of a rose. Every flower has a very unique frequency. And I'm talking about the frequency, the physical flower and the emotion or soul or whatever you want to call it, the um, sentience attached. It's, it's, it's healing because it's above our levels. It's not subject to... Um, duality, and you know you you don't you don't hang around a bunch of daisies and get depressed. Just doesn't happen. <laughs> so so what ha- what you have is by by listening to music that's inspired by the consciousness of these kingdoms, and then is loaded with the frequencies associated of the physicality of these things. And then with the crystals, even the sounds, oh, I don't know, I like to think of it like um, little snowflakes coming in from above your head, from higher chakras, um, high, high energy that helps you in a lot of ways. There's a lot of really incredible violin music and, and angel voices on this. Uh, and I think we only got to play like two cuts on it. It was just absolutely beautiful music. This has been um, nominated. Is somebody talking to me? Hmm, they must have shut their mic off. This has been nominated for um, an honor. And uh, best, um, what's it called? Best, best CD. Um, best CD of the year, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. I think it's incredible that that was nominated. And we can go in and help, can't we? Um, oh, gosh, I would love it. So you people need there, to vote on, vote on it. Yes. yes. Okay, I'm looking for the link to oh, well, vote um, here for best music. Let me open that up and give people Survey Monkey, it says. I'm putting that in for mm-hmm. everybody. Yes, it sounds it sounds dreamy. Under, let me see if I can catch the CD. Uh, I don't even know where I got it. Oh, that's awful. I could. I have it here if you'd like me to read it. Yes. Would you Would you start some of it? We'll play. Okay. Um, okay. A few seconds of it. To, I did have it vote. up. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. W- I put the w- link w- in for them to vote. Dot surveymonkey.com. Yeah, I have it up for people, and I put the link in our chat. And there's okay, a surprise. Slash R. Yeah, we got slash it. C-O-V-R slash, R slash awards. Yeah, we got it. We got it. I think it's wonderful. And you have a surprise for people as we're playing this, I do. don't you? I do. I do. Um, um, I don't think it's fair to ask somebody to vote for something if they can't hear it. So I'm giving digital versions away for free for anybody who will vote. Um, You don't have to vote for mine. Of course, I would appreciate that if you did. Um, And the 
link to get the copy after you vote or before you vote would be http backslash backslash crystalrealmcd.com. Okay, you're going to have to put that chat for us. Oh, you're not in the chat. You're on the phone. No. So give it to me. Okay. TTP. Is it colon? Backslash backslash. I think so, but I'm not sure. I think so. Okay, go ahead. And it's crystalrealmcd.com. R-E-A-L-M dot com. But that's really simple. Or they could probably go to your website, Jill's Wings of Light, and there's no. It's not. It's not there yet. Not there. Not there yet. Okay. But they could email me at Jill I Matson M A T T S N dot com and I could send them the links. And if they would like they could send it on to their Facebook people and they could get oh, copies yes. too and oh, yes. that would be so nice. <laughs> we could just spread it throughout the world. I think it's incredible. Jill, you are one of our favorite um people to be on the show with us all the time. Would you go ahead and play some of that that music? Are you referring to me? You said you had some some of the Crystal Realm music there and you could play it. No, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Um I thought you had it there. Oh, I do. I just need to go grab it. It's on okay. the computer. I'll just let you watch me struggle here. There it is. Mm-hmm. Coming quick. Oh, it's no sound. That's one one cut. That's the first track. Let me. Uh, here's the one I love. turn off but we are going to go on with what we're doing we've given you the information and now we're going to play with it how does all of these frequencies interrelate yes it deals with chakras and that's ancient ancient uh, in almost every uh, language I think I have my own 
aura up here that people could. There's my aura as we took a picture of it. We can't decide whether this is somebody's arm or up their nose. <laughs> we don't know. Um, but we have the nano voice that you can look at each of the frequencies that you have more of or less of. But let's do this just from the birthday, going back to astrology stuff. Okay, Jill, when is your birthday, or what's your sun sign? Oh, oh, I'm not sure. No, my birthday is 1230. Okay, so you are um, a Capricorn. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so an A, a Capricorn? Oh, I don't mm-hmm. want yellow mm-hmm. hair. I want something else. Richard. When's your birthday? November twentieth. November twentieth. Oh, you're Scorpio. right on the cusp. Scorpio. Yeah, right on the cusp there. So we're looking at these two things. And we know if we take the frequencies of Capricorn and the frequencies of Scorpio and put them together, it takes you to the realm of your DNA to the bioelectric issues of the body. So the thing that Jill and Richard have to work out is something um, active, electrical. Um, it's genetic, and I can't, I can't find the right word here, where Richard wants to take everybody's head apart and put it back together and, and see how, they, how their head works. Uh, Jill likes to take things apart, whether it's notes or flowers or, or whatever. And if they were to be working together in some kind of relationship, their karma would be doing something. If they were right next to each other, it would be genetic and it would deal with some kind of karma from ancestry. But this is behavioral when we're looking at the G and A sharp here. Um, Richard, um, your first, um, I need to get rid of annotate here, your first real uh, relationship with an adult, what was her sun sign? She was also a Scorpio. She was also a Scorpio. Oh, good grief. Um, Pretty much. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely Thank, correct. You. Next. Thank you. Next. <laughs> Conflict. <laughs> so that pretty well suits it. How about the second one? Uh. Uh-oh. Is she a Taurus? Uh-oh. No, uh, Leo. Oh, there was a Taurus Leo. in there. Yes. Okay. Yes. No, that was very good. Thank you. Yeah, there was a Taurus. Yeah, I'm feeling strong Taurus energy from you. That was a, a balancing thing. You both grew from it, but at the same time, it um, it moved you forward, but it was in a comfortable way, not in a challenging way, that the, um, the Scorpio challenged you. Mm-hmm. And you said there's also a Leo one. Boy, the well, three let's of actually, you would have... Let's, the, the, let's, let's talk about the, 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 the Gemini. Gemini. 
Oh dear. An adventure. <laughs> yeah, there's more of that. Okay, more that's that. enough. Okay. You've said enough. Thank you. Okay. The gym. Oh dear. I can't. <laughs> I can't get the Gemini in here. Let me get rid of the annotation. So we're looking at Scorpio energy to Gemini energy. Now it's not straight across. Uh, it's a little off. When Boy, it's howdy. straight across, Boy, and here's some proof that if you take the note of G and you multiply it by the square root of 2, it'll give you the one that's 180 degrees away. It's the same thing as a canceling headset. That's the math of a canceling headset. Now, this person is your now, the C-sharp. The one up is sort of um, future things, always running in the future to learn something from it. The Aries person would be uh, issues from your past. But this is the Gemini always doing something new about something, sometimes jumping in and um, too quick. So you can begin to look at these relationships and how they work in your life. Um, I'm a Cancer, and I am incredibly drawn to Aquarius people. I have to get another color for annotate here, or another, just another one. So here is a cancer, and it's not straight across, which would be comfortable. The challenging one would be the A-sharp, one away, one above A, a challenge about the future and where you're going. The G-sharp would be a challenge. You needed to work out some karma from the past. And you can look at your own sun signs and the frequencies of that. In looking at Richard, and he's the note of G there, his challenges of the past are going to be F sharp, a balance between perception and action. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And do I want to stay there? And if he goes forward with his energy to G sharp, we're looking at uh, manipulating uh, property and physical things. So you can look at how you fit on this wheel and begin to see where your own challenges are. Now, my challenge, I'm a Cancer, yellow-orange, but I love the opposite, the A. Instantly, I'm right brain. Instantly, note of A, I want to take everything apart and put it back together my way. So as you look at these relationships and your favorite color and your favorite person, you can also get challenged. Richard, you're a Scorpio. What's your favorite color? I would say it still is in the red tones. Red tones? So Mm -hmm. you're starting from a right brain perspective of your birth, and you go into the red tones. Um. That says you're mixed, you're uh, whole-brained. You can switch situationally based on the information you have. And the red and the red-orange, thats you're always going to be challenging somebody else because you think differently. You may walk away, but you're still going to say, well, that slime ball, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Because your, <laughs> your challenge is justice from G to C sharp, from physical grounding 
to justice for others because the D is always the helper one. So as you move with these, you can, well, I don't have my annotation again. You From G, I didn't mean to move that. This is one of the things that we teach in class, how to look at these frequencies, the frequencies that make you who you are and add or subtract to what you think and who you like and the colors you wear and even the food that you eat. Um, you start where you are, go straight across for your now. The challenge is justice. This is your past. Keep losing my annotation. Sorry, guys. So you just kind of do a little chicken foot thing here, and you can see what's going on and what your challenge is by way of your karma and the frequencies of who and what you are. This has been fun, and I can't believe we're out of time and it won't let me do this annotation. But I'm trying to do a little chicken foot there. <laughs> So, Richard, your challenge from your past is anybody who tried to control you and tried to control your ego. And your one for the future is self-approval from what you can do for others. Argue with me. <laughs> I must be going now. I have nothing to say. This is where I drop the mic and wander off. Oh, boy. Okay. For anybody who wants um, these circles, I am going to put that also in the chat. This has been an incre incredible, fun show. Thank you for being here. Um, somebody said, um. Thank you, Jill, for being here. Um, thank, you. thank you, everyone. So I hope you go vote for Jill. And get a copy of her um, Crystal Realms because it certainly puts you in that kind of altered state. But Jill does that when she comes on the show anyway. She's just got this this free, loving, pixie energy. And on the other side of her, she's a walking encyclopedia about sound and frequency and emotions and music and ancient stuff and uh, Lemuria and just Get her book, Lost Waves of Time. It's incredible. Richard, I know you've been feeling under the weather. Thank you for sticking in there anyway. And you for the rest, you. Of you, the rest of you, just later. And thank you, Jill. Jill. That was a blast as always. And thank you, Richard, for your um, rich and exciting contribution. Thank you. So thank we'll you have, we'll do a whole show sometime about water. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Water's, water's a thing, definitely. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you on Sunday with somebody. I don't know right now. I know it's there, but I can't think of it. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. It's always special. Later. <laughs> <laughs>